Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Say thank you for grace. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you for parents. Thank you for love. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for humility. Thank you for peace. Thank you for prosperity. Say thank you in advance for what's already yours. That's how I live my life. That's why I am, one of the reasons why I am today. Say thank you in advance for what is already yours. Thank you, Denzel, for that introduction to our sermon today and our series, Being Thankful. My name is Jerome. If we've never met, I get to be the pastor here, but Jesus is the real pastor, so he's leading this gig, and we're kind of like his hype man, getting to empower what God's put in every single person here, married to an awesome woman named Crystal who's back running Kids City, and we got five kids under 10, and so we always welcome your prayers. Yes, we do. (laughs) Okay. We're going to continue from last week, but I'm going to recap, go back, and then talk about where we're going today. And in this series this month, Thankful, we don't want it to just be an exercise where it's formality. You teach your kids, say thank you, or you go and have a day and you eat some food, Thanksgiving. Now, what does it look like to exercise a weapon that's underutilized that we can be thankful in all situations. And we looked at an exercise that we can write three things down every morning, yesterday that I'm thankful for, three things that I'm thankful for today, and then at the end of the day, write down three things that I'm thankful for for that day, and then three things tomorrow. So to start my day out being thankful and end my day out being thankful. And this exercise is not something we work for We're not working for God's approval. We're not working for favor to get attention. We're working from his victory because on the cross, Jesus yelled out, it is finished. And when he meant it is finished, that means me and you, we have access forever. We are in the body of Christ. As soon as we put our faith in him, believe in our heart that he is who he said he was, that he is the Messiah, the Lord lived a sinless life, died on the cross, three days later, rose from the dead. And that when I enter into that promise, I'm made brand new. Like I'm in a bloodline that is unbreakable. The richest family this planet's ever seen, God's. And it's not possessions that we bring, it's the qualities that we bring of the kingdom on the inside. Because the outside riches, that stuff will fade. It's in Jesus that will last forever. So as we enter into that, we remember it is finished We come in and we say the password for those last week. Anybody remember what the password is? Thank you. Because I was dead and now I'm found. You would take somebody who was so messed up and make me brand new. Give me your best at my worst. And now I get to practice this attitude of gratitude. It's an underutilized weapon that you and me all have access to. If I gave you a treasure map and told you there was millions of dollars, if you just followed these steps, people would go buck wild. They would do it. And if someone won the lotto, people would call everybody, yo, but being thankful, come on, stop with that. But hey, I want to pull up a chart that just shows you some of the things. Now, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a scientist, but there is so much information out there right now that people that are doctors and are scientists, 
that study the psychological makeup of the benefit of a human, of what improves their performance, their mental you know, neuron pathways of how, what, what sparks and what grows and, and to benefit your brain. And what they're finding is that this practice of gratitude is a game changer. Game changer. So game changer. So like, here's some of the things that being thankful does. It lights up the brain's reward pathways. It improves, improves physical health. It improves social connections. It increases empathy and compassion. It increases resilience. It increases heart rate variability. It shifts heart rhythm. It lessens anxiety and depression symptoms. But yet I know the temptation is that when we're battling, we don't want to be thankful. And so today's message is being thankful in the battle, not in the victory. Like Jesus' victory is, is forever, but I'm talking about when it's difficult, when you know the bills are adding up, stress is happening, you got a text you are frust- frustrated about, there's a family member that's going through a sickness, and you are in a battle, but yet to still say thank you? Yeah. We're going to look at uh, a psalm from David in just a moment, and it's powerful. But before that, let's look at this comment. Hey, look at this comment. We got um, Frankenstein, he's thankful for friends. We got Darth Vader. He's thankful for family. He's the number one dad. We got a zombie. They're thankful for food. And last, we got Dracula is thankful for sunsets. <laughs> thankful in the battle. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1 through 4. The author of this is David. David's a musician. David's a mighty warrior. And David is writing this song, this psalm, and it starts out, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. When my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before your presence, for you have maintained my just cause, and you have sat on the throne giving righteous judgment. Now pause. Reading this, seems David understands the practice of being thankful and he understands starting with God is very important, critical, and it's everything. But yet the backdrop is super intriguing because David's life is at stake. He has enemies and opposition that aren't just giving him bad opinions or a boss that's mean or some type of relational tension. He's got straight up killers looking to kill him. He's got people ready, like all in, double down, trying to take his life. Game, set, match. And if anyone's ever been threatened for your life, you know how challenging that can be. Like, you try to even get sleep if somebody's looking for you. That's what's happening. And to start out the song with this type of address, because he recognizes, man, I got to be thankful in the battle. And This psalm, Psalm 9 and Psalm 10, the psalm right after it, many have believed that they're connected because it's a Hebrew acrostic kind of poem. So there's the Hebrew letters and it has like stanzas of these letters that tells a story and it's missing a couple letters so people don't know if they're connected. But it's interesting because 9 and 10, they both have some drama going on and there's a lament taking. He's lamenting to God about some of his struggles and some of his issues. And in fact, chapter, or I mean, verse 3, look, when my enemy Enemies turn back. That hasn't happened yet. That's a faith moment. Penning and singing a faith moment. His enemies have not turned back. In fact, they're turning all in. But he recognizes, God, if you're for me, who can be against me? 
He recognizes, yeah, there's a lot of situations on the outside, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Yeah, the devil is real. The battle's going on all the time. He's got all of his little warlords, all these false lowercase g's, but there's a big God. When he steps up on the scene, he will fight my battle. He gets that. He like, that's what he's getting. And, and so for us, this is the kind of mindset we got to then enter into. How, does it, how do we do this? How do we give thanks to the Lord with our whole heart? Skip down to verse 9. We understand what it's like to be oppressed and have strongholds. David also pens, he says, the Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed. When we feel pushed down. A stronghold in times of trouble, not when it's fun. And those who know your name put their trust in you. Trust me, God's saying, trust Trust is vulnerable. Trust is super, because we've got our trust broken. There's one place we can put our trust with God. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Because being thankful is a choice. We get the opportunity to exercise it. Now, one of the skeptical thoughts would be if someone's here and you're thinking, okay, I I get it. Christians, they got an answer for everything. Because if it's going good, God gets the glory. He did it. He gave the increase. And if it's going bad, there must be a reason. God's going to make it out one day, and I don't know the reason why. And and it's like, okay, well, you kind of say that for everything. But at the end of the day, it it is kind of like that. Because it's a mystery of when God shows up and what we look at as we recount some of his wonderful things that he's done as we're on this road, we look back at the mile markers as we're getting to our destination. If the city we're going to is the kingdom forever and the kingdom with us, in us, and we're driving, we're traveling, there's some detours sometimes because there's some construction going on in our lives. There's moments when we get off the highway, we're struggling, we might have to refix a tire. Stuff has gotten very difficult in our lives, but we get back and we're staying on that track and we see how many miles we got back. And we can even look back to the moments we stopped, the moments when life was difficult, but God showed up. And so it is very important that we recount the wonderful things God has done. In fact, in the message, it puts it this way. I'm thanking God. Yeah, the message. I'm thanking you, God, from a full heart. Full heart. While he's got killers out on the look for him. Come on, David gets to lead us in this. Is that fair? I'm, maybe there's somebody here that's got a bunch of killers looking for you. I get it for the most people. Like, we're, like it's not life or death, but it is life or death. for some. But, but like it's not literally like people with swords outside by your car right now. You know? In fact, we got the police station on the other side. Hopefully they would take care of that if somebody. But, you know, which I love. Uh, have, it's like the safest church on, uh, you know, period. Because, you know, got the police. Sta- but here's what's awesome about it. They also recognize, look. They, if they, if they, uh, have, they've had people they've busted before and they're like, hey, go to city life. There's been people at like eight, because they, they're like part, they recognize there's only so much things they can do. That kind of love and that holistic care. Like, hey, look, we ain't trying to like go get your life changed. Like, come on, we're all in this thing. We're all struggling in different ways. And that's, so the church is a hospital. The church isn't for left, right, up, down, uh, rich, poor, white, black, old, young, like uh, blue, uh, Democratic, Republican. Like we're about Jesus. And we're about people and Jesus. So we don't got swords, people outside. I pray against that. If there is right now, in the name of Jesus, God, uh, make them repent. But here, get this. So David's writing from a full heart. With that happening, he's writing the book of your wonders. He's writing it down. We got to take time to write it down. 
I'm thankful, God. I got to write it down. I got to remember when you showed up. We know those prayers. God, if you just get me out of this one situation, then I'll serve you with everything. And a year later, okay, well, God, what I really meant is if you do it again and even better. And God, what I really meant is I know you did one plus one plus one. I want you to 10X it, multiply it. Oh, where you at, God? I ain't going to, I'm not playing anymore. No. God is good. Period. I've been reading Job's story lately. Job, if you want to get humbled quick, read Job's story. He lets, God lets Satan have his way with Job. And Job loses everything. But God says, don't touch my servant. Just don't touch Job. Just don't touch him. He can't have his life. And Job goes through pain unthinkable, unimaginable, and gives God glory by the end and is correct all these moments and there's a lot of stuff that happens through many many chapters of fights with his friends and uh, what's take place at the end is God restores and for some of us we we you know we don't know when God will restore or how he'll restore but we have a good God that is at war all the time for his kids and we know he's bought the best thing he ever could which is our freedom in our souls and we're going to give some points here of how to be thankful in the battle. But this has given us a backdrop, right? This is David's whistling and laughing with the people with swords outside, jumping for joy, and I'm singing your song, Hi, God. And then he goes on, he's writing, you know what? But the oppressed, you're there. The strongholds that the enemy brings, the, you're there. And we will trust in you throughout this situation of torture. So the backdrop here is one of pain and one of battle. And so number one, four things I want to give us to be thankful in the battle. Number one, we recount what he has done with God's word. Now, the scriptures have been given to us to reveal who God is. It's a blueprint meant to be experienced. It's not an encyclopedia, and it's not a step-by-step guide. This is why many of us are like, I'm kind of done with the Bible. I don't get it. It doesn't play out. It's never meant to be like the thing you do for every second. It gives you direction and guide and principles and other times stories, and it gives us historical references and then parables and has... um, it has poetry, it has uh, uh, just analogies, it has simile. It has all different types of writing in it to show us the nature of God wanting to work through his creation, which is so foreign because a God should never want to be with measly what they've created. In fact, there's a most separation in so many religions that a God would never want to come down and be one with humans. It's, it's like, oh, it's humans, it's And that's why you have so many rituals that people have to get right with God. People have even sacrificed their own children in the name of their religion. Happening. And this is crazy where you have exact opposite God coming down from the heavens as one of us because he values what he created. And Jesus goes to the cross and he knows the battles well. So David's not our hero in the story. In fact, David He knows what failure feels like. He's let God down. He will let God down more. David, in fact, lets God down bad so one time that he was meant for war. Some of us will get this. We're meant for war, but we stayed home 
And he sees a girl and she's like, he's like, man, she's super attractive, sleeps with her, decides that he's got to cover it up. He kills her husband, gets her killed. He, he, he makes it happen. He wasn't the one who actually did it. He let it happen in war. Her husband dies. He comes, he gets confronted. He's so caught in his sin, he can't see up, down, left, right. He's so caught in the battle, he doesn't even know what's happening. He gets confronted by a prophet and he realizes it's him. So he's not the hero. He knows what it's like to fail, but he's got his faith in a God and a future faith that will then come into fruition, meaning it will be realized through Jesus. And Jesus knows pain well because Jesus is in the garden. He's sweating drops of blood because he's so anguished that he's going to go to the cross to die for me and you, but he's going to take the punishment of God, drink the cup of wrath. So you think about a judge in a courtroom, you know, boom, sentenced to X, Y, Z. When we mess up God, we're not even deserving to be in his presence. He's so perfect and so just, the laws of the cosmos don't allow sin to enter into his realm. In fact, the battle begun when Satan thought he could be like God and then tried to overthrow God, and God is so mighty and powerful, boom, puts Satan down. You're out of this course, you're out of this regime, and I'm going to... Now, rule and redeem in a whole manner, in a whole due method, in that Jesus will ultimately get all of the glory, all of the victory. And it's a patient story that's happening. Friends, I mean, this is like the Marvel Universe timeline. God is coming back. And when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he purchased something, not just by death. He literally took on the payment of what the judgment of me and you were going to face outside of Christ. That's why it's very startling. The, the, the craziest battle is this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus and your heart was the quick beating, like that is the scariest thing. Because the greatest gift to be thankful for is the gift of salvation. And today, don't put it off, like today is the day to be saved. So the natural question would be, well, what, what, what do I got to do to be saved? What do I got to do? That's the neat thing. You don't have to do anything. You just got to give up everything. And then you gain everything. We give up our lives and we gain the life of Christ. And so when he was going to go to the cross, he's in the garden. And he's God and he's saying, God, if there's any other way, take this away from me. If there's any other way to not be in this battle, please take it away from me. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. And he carried out the mission because Jesus knew that the reward was greater than the cost. And to be obedient was greater than the sacrifice. And for us, we need this kind of re-up to be thankful in the battle, to recount um, what God has done. Colossians 3 reminds us, this is how we recount the wonderful deeds, you know. Verse 16 out of the message says, Let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other and step with each other. None of this going off and doing your own thing. None of us going off and doing our own thing. I should speak to somebody today. I want to go off and do my own thing. No, we're connected. And cultivate thankfulness. Cultivate like soil, a bed, a garden that we want to grow. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Give it plenty of room in your lives. In our life, the only way we'll be able to give room to the message is by making room for the message. 
actually having time set aside. Church, I, like you're here. Come on, give it up for yourselves. You're here on a Sunday. You're here. You're an hour of power. But there's this thing called we can have church tonight by ourselves. We can have church tomorrow morning with God. We can meet a friend at lunch tomorrow we, and talk about the gospel. Like it is not meant to be a moment. It's supposed to meant to be a movement. And, and that's, 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 that it is difficult to understand that because we, these things are separate. God never wants to be separate from everything. He wants to have full run of the house. The message is good news. It's worth all of our attention to cultivate. I've been into um, farm-to-table restaurants. You guys know what that is. So where people locally farm, and then they cook the locally produced, uh, you know, produce, and also they'll have higher quality meats that are, you know, locally raised and non-antibiotics or, you know, grass-fed or free-range and uh, fish that's wild-caught, and, and prices will be typically more, but the quality is so much better. Uh, they invest, they care about every intentionality, and I want to encourage us today, that's the type of intentionality God wants for our spirituality. He wants us to have like a farm-to-table experience where it's local, it's intentional. We devour it through any battle. Number two, we thank God for what he will do. We're looking back what he's done, his wonderful deeds, but what about when David said, my enemies turned around? They hadn't turned around yet. We're thanking God because we know he's done a lot. We know he'll do a lot. He's done a lot. He's going to do a lot. He's done a lot. He's going to do a lot. Then God showed up. Then he's going to show up again. I guess it's real stuff. And what the, the battle is, we have this, this, this gap. Okay, so here's this gap we all have. We have expectations for our job, our relationships, church, everything in life. We have expectations, and then there's this crazy thing called reality. <laughs> what is real? Some of us, were so frustrated because the gap between expectations and reality is large, justifiably so. And in fact, because the gap's so large, you know what we do? Oh, I deserve to be mad. I'm going to be unthankful. I'm gonna, I actually deserve that I could sin. I'm going to have these outlets. When it's a mockery, when we're called to close the gap, and one of the quickest things that close the gap, that calibrates, is being thankful. Because when we're thankful, we're a, a little bit more grateful. Our expectations start to become realistic. There's a dichotomy in Christianity. God wants us to be independent and yet dependent. And our expectations of dependency, if we don't have a healthy view of independency, we are going to be in this chaos constantly. Or if we're too independent and we're not dependent on one another, that's not how God intended it. And there was an illustration they used in marriage counseling when Crystal and I went through. It said life in marriage should not be like a capital A. So if there's an A, capital A. Because if one person falls or one person goes away, the other person falls on their face. But life in your marriage should be like a capital H. So each person are standing up, able to stand on their own. If one's you know, acting a little silly for the day, it's okay. You're going to come back. You're going to hold hands. And you're both looking towards God because you're independently strong, but yet dependent on one another as well. So there's a connection is in the body of Christ. We're independent in God, I, but yet I am now transformed when I'm in the body as well. So some, I want to challenge this. Maybe we're too dependent and we got to get independent. And others, maybe we're too independent. I'm just going to do it my way or the highway. False. We need 
each other because we're thanking God for what he will do. And one of those things that will rob that is our expectations versus reality. That's the frustration because we're mad that God hasn't done it in our own way, in our own time frame. And what this is not is an excuse to give up and say, oh, this is just how it is. No, we're agents of change, but yet we're not deceived that we think everything's going to be perfect. We're put there to be the person in the battle that shows what good looks like. This is, this is so hard. I was talking to a, a, a brother in Christ in between the first and second service, and they're like, man, this is so challenging, but ultimately, isn't this Christianity? I'm like, yeah. At the end of the day, this is what it's all about. Anybody can thank God when they get hooked up. Who wants to thank God when the battle hits? Swords are outside. I want to call the warriors in this place. Where are the soldiers? You're a soldier of Jesus Christ, friends. Of course we're going to get weary, but let's get, let's get back up. We're going to have moments that we're tired. Come on, you can do it. That's what we have to do is encourage one another. You guys still with me? Got a couple more. Got a couple more. Number three, the battle is real, but God beat death. So we're acknowledging the battle is real, but God beat death. And so if he beat death, that is the greatest battle humanity will ever face. He's still Jehovah Jireh. He's still healer. He's still provider. He still guides us. We still go to him and say, God, what do you want me to do? He still has callings. He has things that are new and fresh. But yet, he beat death. Mic drop. That's good. And when we breathe that in, we start to get calibrated in a healthy way. That way we can be thankful in the battle. There's a proverb in verse, chapter 30, verse 8 and 9. It's fascinating because this is not a prayer you and me would pray. Pull up Proverbs 30. Do, do, do. Proverbs 30. Got that right? We don't got it? We had it the last service, no? No. It's in my notes. We don't got It's all good. I'll read it to you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can I take a, I'm going to take some water. Bible story by Dion. <laughs> no, I'm going to read the Bible, not by me. Oh, okay. There you, okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me lest I be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. In other words, the prayer here is, God, I, um, if I'm super rich, I might forget you. But if I have nothing, I might curse you. Just keep me in that secret place where I, I don't have too much and I don't have too little. <sighs> that is so anti-American. You don't even know what it is. Like, Hey, God, I just, want, I just want enough, just enough. So let me, be, let me be a good old boy and help my friends and family as you see fit. I think it's beautiful because realizing that sometimes, here's one of the things that can stop us from understanding that God beat death. Sometimes we win and we forget God. And sometimes we lose and we curse God. In Romans 1.21, for although they knew God, so they knew God, and they, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and the foolish in their hearts were darkened. So it's one thing to know God, but then to just be like, oh, I'm not going to give thanks to you. I'm not going to honor you. And so I'm just going to 
trust my own plan and kind of be my own God. And you know what? If we always agree with our God, God's not God anymore. Who is? I am. God should disagree with us. I'm glad he's in charge. He's in control. And Romans 5 shows us what this looks like when, or I mean, um, no, Romans 9 shows us what this looks like. You will say to me then, why does he find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder? This is one of the most difficult chapters in all the scriptures. Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory of vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory? Now, if you've ever heard this statement, super dumb statement, but I brought you into this world, I could take you out. And we've all said dumb things like this. Brought you in, I could take you out. No, you couldn't. It's illegal. You'd be in jail. Like, and that'd be super weird. You know, don't do that. It's weird. Don't do that. It's weird. Super weird. Why we say that? All right, you know, we heard it. Somebody say it. But, but in other words, hey, he's the potter. How do we get to decide how he made the clay? We humble ourselves as sheep and say, okay, God, I know you got a higher purpose through this battle. I know you, you're going to work this out so that, therefore, I'm not going to go turn to sin. Because when we're not thankful, we're naturally destructive. There isn't a reverence in our life. And the byproduct is turmoil, chaos. It's a breeding ground for discontentment, anger, and loneliness. Friends, if we're lonely and angry and discontent, and have turmoil and chaos and we're not reverent towards life, maybe today the first starting line is being thankful in the battle. And Ephesians 5 teaches us not to be going out and getting drunk in the battle. So do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. You can almost get the tone. This is like David writing. The, the battle's real, but you know what? Let's get our whole heart connected to God, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Part of Christianity is we will suffer at times. Jesus followers in the room, I know, be made brand new, sins are gone, far as the east is from the west, I'm a king's kid. But Jesus doesn't always give you the full picture when he says, come and follow me. And he says, hey, by the way, you follow me, you're going to lose your life. And in fact, you might not even have a place to stay. You'll wonder if you have provision at times, but I'm with you. I take care of the birds, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to teach you and lead you and guide you, but behold, I am with you always. That's the greatest thing that you get. You get me with you, a relationship, perfect, precious, precise, on time, all the time. And here we learn in Romans 5 of what this looks like to suffer. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character, and character produces hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given, been given to us. We're going to close here in just a moment. But get this, the starting line. No one ever wants to think the starting line for hope is suffering. Hey, I want to run this Jesus race. Where do I start? I want to have a lot of hope. I want to do this. Where do I start? Okay. Oh, you want to have hope? Okay, come here. I'm going to start on this line right here. Suffering. This is horrible. And yet, if God knows that as we're in this battle, it can produce hope. Because he's given us his spirit that's been poured into our hearts because God's love has given us hope that we don't have shame. And we get this hope that came from character and then character that came from endurance and endurance that came from suffering. So don't grow weary, little buddy. It's all good. God's got you. God's got you. God calls me little buddy sometimes, so I called you little buddy. Because one of my friends used to call me little buddy. And it's endearing. It's close. God calls me little buddy. Keep going. It'll be okay. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.